Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Welcome everyone to Foothills Christian Church. Everybody here on campus, we're so excited. Our our children's classes are kicking off again today, but the big kickoff is next week, so you won't want to miss that. Very exciting. Our student ministries is running. It's uh, down in the hall during 11 a.m. And all of you doing church at home, we're still going to be doing stuff for your families and your kids online for you to keep going. And for all of you doing small group meetings with your church at home, it's awesome. We love having you do it. We uh, are in this series called The New Normal, and it's all about change. Now, uh, on Thursday and Friday, our church hosted and was a part of the largest Christian leadership training event in the world. And so it was kind of cool to be a part of it. And I'll give you one guess what their topic was the entire conference. That's right, change. Fear of change, pivoting for change, looking for change is all about change, change, change. And so I was just so happy that this gigantic conference finally caught up to me. (laughs) Okay, my jokes are lame. But hey, that's part and parcel with being a part of Foothills. Now, there is this axiom that we came up with when we introduced this new uh, series. And an axiom is basically an overarching truth that applies to everybody, regardless of what you believe, what language you speak, what your philosophy on life is. It's just simply true, like gravity. And it goes like this. Rapid change brings rapid loss. Rapid change brings rapid loss. And then loss brings pain. So what happens is when we are hurting or when we're experiencing rapid change, one of our temptations is to sit and let it go by and we can fall into passivity. And passivity is not good. It's not good for your relationships, your career, and especially your faith. So we ended last week by talking about a principle in the story of Joseph. uh, And this principle is very simple. It is Uh, my attitude about change impacts the effect that change has on me. So the way I view change, my attitude about it, uh, the way I look at it, guess what? It's going to really impact how much that change impacts my own life. Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take just a little second and digress just for a moment from jumping into our story. And that is, I want to talk about why we dig into the Bible each and every week here at Foothills. It's really important that we dig into the scriptures. And here is why. I've been told that since, you know, 80% of people who are followers of Christ are doing church at home or church online in whatever various forms, that if we really want to up our engagement and up our our clicks and our involvement, then it'd be a good idea if I got a cooler haircut and I dyed my beard black. That way I look younger. Uh, Some people suggest that maybe I should wear some hipper clothes, you know, maybe even skinny jeans. Is that just like the most frightening image in your mind right now? 
I, I, I've been told that if I just tell really funny stories and, and talk about stuff, our hits will go up because it's not what you say, but it's how you make people feel that is the biggest and most important thing. And I like to just kind of talk about that specifically and why Foothills is different. And this is why. We are in a world that is rapidly changing right now. Nothing is uh, secure and nothing is certain. And the time for fluff is over. The time for fluff is over. This shallow, we just kind of follow our emotions about what we believe is done. It's time for us as human beings to learn how to think for ourselves. It's time to know exactly why we believe what we believe. We need to grow our faith, strengthen our convictions. And we do that by studying the Bible because the Bible points us to Jesus Christ. It is a truth that has transcended every political system that human beings have thought up over the last 2000 years. You can look at ancient republics. You can look at dictatorships, totalitarianism, even fascism. It is a transcended monarchy and manipulative monarchies. It has been high control, no control, chaos. It has transcended every single political system that has ever existed in humanity. The second thing is that the truth of Jesus Christ revealed in the scriptures has transcended every tragedy that the human world has ever known. It's transcended tsunamis and hurricanes. It's transcended the smallpox outbreak that wiped out a third of Rome in the third century. It survived the Black uh, Plague in the middle times uh, in the 16th century, where in some villages and some parts of Europe, over 50% of the population died from the Black Plague. Absolutely, it has survived this truth and transcended every violence that human beings have perpetrated on one another. It survived wars. It survived being conquered by other things. And the thing is, is that the truth of Jesus Christ in the scriptures has transcended all of that. It still burns bright today. So in the midst of any situation, whether it be violence, tragedies, changing politics, the most important thing that we can do is know why we believe what we believe. And we're going to do that as a church by digging into the Bible. The time for fluff is gone. It's time for us to know why we believe, what we believe and why we believe it. So I know that's a little digression. And what I'd like to do is get us right now back on track and studying chapter 39 and the story of Joseph. And so we left off in chapter 37 where his family was really dysfunctional. His brothers hated him. Their hate turned to rage. And what happened is they sold him into slavery. So we're going to go into chapter 39 now, pick up his story and see what we can learn about how to face all of the rapid change in our lives. So we're going to ask three questions and then find three answers. If you'd like to open up the uh, app, Foothills Boise or FH app on your phone or your device, you can go at the bottom and click on Sunday. And then right there, it'll say notes and you can take notes. So our first question that we're going to ask today is that when things go from bad to worse, where is God? Where is he? Because a lot of times when things start going bad in your own life, you start to think to yourself, where is God? You know, where is he? I'd really like him to show up right now and do something. So let's look at Joseph's life and see what happened to him after he was sold in Egypt. Verse one of Genesis chapter 39. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt 
Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Now, if you like to underline things in your Bible, you might want to underline this phrase in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, because they say it again in just a moment, and that's important. He says he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. So he's living under Egyptian form of slavery. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, verse 3 says, Joseph found favor in his eyes and because and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And verse six concludes with, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. So what does this passage tell us? Joseph is taken to Egypt and he's sold into slavery. He is then bought by Potiphar, a powerful man in the Egyptian dynasty. And what happens to him there? Well, where is God when things go bad? Our principle is simply this. God is always with us. God was with Joseph. And no matter what happens in your life, God is with you. Now, why is it important to say that? Well, the reason why it's important to say that is because our temptation when things go bad it's kind of say, well, since God's not here, for, he, he's not here around, then just forget about him. My friends, I've said over and over again, one of the most important things about you is what you believe. And when things go bad, it's very important to believe that God is always with you. The writer of Hebrews quotes Jesus as saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. Paul writes in Romans, to the Romans, he says, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And then he gives this big, long list of things that tempt us to believe that God is not with us when things go bad. But Joseph prospered even in a bad situation because God never left him. He was always with him. And my friends, today, you need to affirm that belief more than ever before, because you live in a society that no longer adheres to, accepts, or encourages a strong conviction in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, this is prevalent throughout the entire globe. Now, the number one people group that are being persecuted today in the world are Christians. We could talk about what's happening in North Africa. We could talk about what's happening in Indonesia. We could talk about what has happened in the Middle East. We could talk about what has happened in Russia. We could talk about what is going on in China. I can guarantee you that it is worse than it has ever been in the history of the church. And yet, even in America today, 
there is more and more, not just antipathy, which means a non-caring attitude, but there is an antithetical pushback against Christianity. And so you need to know that no matter how bad things get, God is always with you. Now, this leads us to the next question. And that next question is simply this. And that is, well, if God is with me and things are going bad, if God is with me and things are going bad, then then why are they going bad? Because you would think, isn't the point of God to be with me and take care of all of my problems? At least it would be really nice if it worked out that way. Well, I'd like to share with you a biblical truth about human nature that God knows and sometimes we forget. And it's simply this. That is, character is always forged in the furnace. Your character is sharpened and forged in the furnace. For some odd reason, human nature doesn't allow us to see what we really believe until we are pressured and put under pressure and things are going bad. When things are going wrong and the furnace is heating up of life, that's when all these insidious distractions are stripped away and we discover what it is we really care about and what is really important. It's when the furnace heats up that all the fruitless pursuits, the limiting beliefs, the earthly appetites that we have are shown to be what they truly are. And you know what that is? Insufficient. It's only in the furnace where your core, a sense of character is developed. And and character is more than just a, a sense of, oh, doing the right thing when no one's looking. It's more than just a moral stance. You know what your character is? It's your code of honor. It's what you truly value. It is what makes a person have depth and strength. It's what removes insecurity out of your life. It's what changes and transforms you. People of character are secure people. They are strong people. They are courageous people. And I'm telling you that people of character are hopeful people. Do you want to be secure person, strong person, courageous person, filled with hope and faith? Then realize those things are forged in the furnace. They're not forged in the pleasantries of a beach with a pina colada in your hand. It's in the furnace of life where these can things that build your character are formed and shaped. Now, let's move to the second question because where is God when things go bad? He's with you. And so if my character is being formed, then that leads me to the next question. And that is what is God doing when things go bad? I know where he is. So if he's with me, then what is he actually doing? Well, let's look at verses uh, six, be the second half of six and seven, all the way through 18. It's very fascinating. Listen to what happens to Joseph. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. He was well-built and handsome. And I just want you to know, this has been an issue in my ministry for quite some time. People saying that I'm well-built and handsome all the time. I bet people at home are laughing louder than you are. That is, okay, my jokes are lame. 
Let's just admit that. But I am secure in my lameness of joke telling. Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, so this could have been anywhere from four to five to six years of serving in the house of Potiphar and becoming the top administrator of his estate. After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. And this is what he says, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now notice a couple things in this passage. Right here as he says, look, is that your, your husband has entrusted me, but notice his reasoning switches. The reason I'm not going to do this isn't because I want to let down your master. The reason I won't do this is because I see it as a sin against my God. How can he say that? Because he knows that God is with him. Now let's go on and see what happens next. Because what you would think is that Potiphar's wife would go, you know, he's such a fine young man and he's doing what's right. Isn't that awesome? Nope, that's not what happened. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And then one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me now. So she has moved past asking and begging day after day. She grabs him, puts him up against the wall and says, I will ignite your passion. And so what does he do? It says he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. So he ran from this woman. Okay, now what happens next? When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. You would think that at this point she realizes, you know, he is just not interested in me. Uh, He has convictions. I really appreciate that. Now maybe I can get on with life and he'll, he'll do much better now that this is not an issue between us. Nope, that's not what happens. She calls her household servants. Look, she says to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. So she immediately says, he's an outsider and he has come to ridicule us all. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. So she falsely accuses him of something he did not do. It's going from bad to what? Worse. Let's keep going. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came and her master came home. Then she told him this story. Notice how the writer says it's a story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. So what happened is Joseph was falsely accused and things went from bad to worse. So what does God do in you when things are going from bad to worse? Even when you think that you're doing 
what is right. And that leads us to our second principle, and that is this, is that God is shaping your convictions when things go bad. He's shaping them and molding them and strengthening them. So if God is with you when things go bad, what he's doing when he's with you is he is shaping and strengthening your convictions. You see, Joseph was really handsome. He was competent, but he was being tested. And the temptation when things are going bad in our life is like, okay, God, I don't think you're around. I don't know what to do. So you toss God and say, pass me the tequila. That's our temptation. But when things get bad, that's when you start to think about what is truly the most important things in my life. What are my convictions? And convictions are critical because convictions are the building blocks of character. So what he's doing is he's forming character and now he's shaping the convictions that strengthen character. And when you discover what you actually believe and you know why you believe it, you begin to realize this is the hills that I will stand and die on. And that's when men become real men, women become real women. And that is when we know our convictions and no amount of arguing or persuasion or temptation is going to under mine our convictions because we know something. And you know what we know? We know that if our convictions are undermined, then our character pays the price. So now let's go to the next question. Number three. So if what, what, where is God? He's with us. What is God doing? Shaping our conviction. So what is his plan? Why is things going bad, but he's with us and shaping our... What's his long-range goal when things go from bad to worse? And if you know this, it helps you have greater and stronger hope. Let's read verses 13 through 23 and see what happened in Joseph's life. Now, when his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners are confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. See, the Lord was with him. He showed him. Now, what happened in prison? God showed him kindness. And because of God's kindness, he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So let's look at verse 22 that says this. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph. There we see it again. The Lord was with him. And the Lord gave him success in whatever he did. You know, I find this very important to understand. Because oftentimes when things go from bad to worse, what is our first desire? Is for God to change the worse, right? God, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this job. God, I don't want to be without a job. God, I don't want to be in this situation where my kids are at home and I have to work. God, I don't want to be in this situation here where now I'm single and it, because my spouse 
broke covenant, and, and that was never my plan. God, I was never desiring, you know, you could go on list after list after list of things that make life go from bad to worse. And the temptation is for us to pray that God would change the worse, you know, change the circumstance. But what if God's ultimate plan is something bigger and grander than you could ever imagine? What if his ultimate plan is more important and life-changing than you could ever imagine? And what could that possibly be? Well, God's plan is this principle. He is extending kindness to you. He is teaching you and showing you where true unmitigated, authentic kindness ultimately comes from. The kindness I'm talking about is a kind of kindness that transforms your life. It gives you a reality that is transformational. Kindness that's true and pure and good. You see, it was in prison. It was in prison where Joseph discovered something about God. You know what he discovered about God? He discovered that only God is the one who is trustworthy. His brothers weren't trustworthy. Ishmaelites weren't trustworthy. His Egyptian master wasn't trustworthy. It just goes on and on and on. But who was always faithfully with him and working in his life and giving him kindness? God and God alone. It was God that he learned is the one who ultimately loves him. It was God that he learned is the one who sustained him in his hour of need. So often we put our trust and our faith and our hope in things that ultimately let us down. We as human beings put our hope and our trust in society. We put it in our form of government. Some of us put it in our appearance. Some of us put it in our capability or skill set or our career or material possessions. Yet ultimately, none of these things are kind to us. When we live for physical beauty, it is a tremendous disappointment. Just ask Father Time. Unless, of course, you're like me and wine, you get better with age. Yeah, that's not true either. You see, it's a disappointment. When we live for fame or material possessions, guess what? It's a rude awakening. Those things are not kind. They are harsh taskmasters. Material possessions are a trap that feeds a part of us that can't be satiated. It doesn't mean that we can't be successful and do well in God's kingdom. That's not the point. The point is when we live for those things and put our hope and faith and trust in those things, they ultimately are not kind at all. All the things of this world, they're not kind to us, my friend. The things in this world tend to be harsh. They tend to be cruel and they tend to wound us. And when you think of God's ultimate plan, what is he trying to do when things go bad? He's trying to help you understand that there's only one way to discover true and authentic life, and that is in him. 
You see, if God is truly kind, if God is true, genuine love, then why is he going to grant you things that fuel your self-centeredness or fuel that, that demon of materialism in your life or your own personal vanity? God doesn't want you, to, doesn't want to fuel those things because they end up making your soul thirsty. You start longing for more and yet you're never satisfied. Joseph, in his worst time, turned to God. And because of this, even in the worst of circumstances, God was with him, sustaining him, extending him kindness, and he prospered. Not in the way the world would consider prosperity, but in the way God does. And God's work cannot happen in your life. When things are going bad and they're going from bad to worse, if we fall into the trap of bitterness or self-pity, feeling sorry for ourselves, how unfair life really is. The ultimate goal for God, his ultimate plan for you in your life is this, and that is you discover life in him. So that's my final challenge for you. My final challenge to you is that when things go from bad to worse, always turn to God. When things are getting more difficult, turn to God. When you feel like life is harder than it's ever been, turn to God. When you feel like God has abandoned you, turn to him even more. Because God's plan is that you discover life, true life, authentic life. His life. Not the way we define it, but the way he defined it for us. Not our version, his version. That's what heaven is all about finding, living, pure joy in the sense of true and authentic life. Don't miss out on it when things go from bad to worse. Let's let the ladies close us out. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.